episode 309 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is Valentine's Day 2016. And I'm with my Valentine, Jason Collette. Jason, how's it going? Wow. Uh, I thought I thought Skinny Joe Blanton was your Valentine. No. No. Sorry. Uh, Skinny Joe Blanton wanted to be, but uh, I shunned him. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I my son, I had to explain that one to my son. We were listening in the car uh, on the way to the North Carolina Transportation Museum yesterday. And when y'all said Skinny Joe Blanton, I lost it. And he's like, why is that funny, Daddy? <laughs> I had to explain to him. How is that when you explain it? Because it's like, uh, you know. I know sometimes I'm laughing at something and I'll explain the joke to somebody who doesn't get it and they still don't. And I get that uncomfortable feeling where I'm like, well, you just don't get it. But Jacob's yeah, like, really smart. So he he's probably, like, um, yeah, OK. All yeah, right. So it's like this fat guy named Joe Blanton. And then um, who did we even say that about? Was it Josh Tomlin? Yeah. Yeah. So then skinny Joe Blanton is. It, yeah, it works. It definitely works but you, i mean by the way you guys really killed it in the last couple of episodes Thanks. i know i skipped last week but listening pitching between the uh the flights and the driving i was able to catch up on all three episodes i and, really appreciate uh, that yeah it was good we uh we went hard on pitching today you and i are actually going to talk some hitting do something a little bit fun kind of just uh compare some some average draft positions that are going on in nfbc at each position then i kind of want to get your pick uh, of the two guys they're kind of they're not really the upper tier guys except there's a couple uh upper tier at shortstop and outfield but otherwise it's kind of the mid tier just kind of getting your idea maybe it's a young versus an old and an established versus not so established things like that just kind of want to get your thoughts on it as always folks can follow us on twitter at spore at jason collette that's c-o-l-l-e-t-t-e please rate and review the podcast we're up to 340 excellent reviews really appreciate that we're still pumping out at five stars leave your comment let us know what you think also want to mention that uh, i think i'm gonna be doing an nfbc draft a, a beat paul spore league uh, similar to what Chris Liss and Jeff Erickson do over there. Greg Ambrosius and I talked, and uh, it's a $350 entry fee, NFBC rules. I believe it is main event eligible. So if that's something you're interested in, just maybe let me know on Twitter um, or, or, or leave a comment on the, on the show post, just kind of generating some interest first to see if it's even something that people want to do, uh, you know, because you're basically donating your money. because it, You know, it says beat Paul Spore, but you actually – can't do that yeah, so not gonna it's a little bit of false advertising i will freely admit that out of the gate you're going to lose your money but it goes to a good cause because if you've seen my dog charlotte on twitter and instagram you know that she needs food she needs toys she needs clothes and that's where your money is going so we really do appreciate <laughs> that just let me know if you're interested again it'll be an fbc style draft i believe online draft all that sort of stuff lots of fun I'm very interested in uh, thwarting 11 of y'all. Just need to know if there's any interest. So without further ado, Jason, let's dive right in and just pick a hitter here. We're talking two ADPs that are close to each other. We're going to start at catcher and run it through. we got a couple of outfield ones. Uh, otherwise, it's one per position. And I'm going to start with the backstop. And this is a young versus a little bit more of an established. we got JT Real Muto at pick 172 overall, the, the 10th catcher. Versus Jan Gomes, 176th overall and the 11th catcher. Real Muto came up last year, really did some damage for the Florida, Mar uh, Florida Marlins. The Miami Marlins has some folks excited for this year. <laughs> Meanwhile, Gomes went completely the opposite way. Injuries really ravaged his season and kind of ruined it. 
But if you kind of, you know, give them an injury pass, or even if you don't, even if you just say, okay, fine, that counted for last year, but kind of look at what Jan Gomes did the two years before that. He was a really high-impact power bat behind the dish. So where are you going between JT Realmuto and Jan Gomes? Pick a hitter. I, I like Gomes, and for a lot of the reasons you just expressed, when a guy gets hurt like that, you write it off, especially with the, with the type of injuries. But when you look at how much we all liked Gomes heading into – uh, the year and that didn't work out for him injuries, especially with when you're looking at everything that was involved. I like it. The skills are the same. Everything's everything's stable with him last year. It's a knockdown because of injuries. Uh, you know, only didn't even play in a hundred games. So I'm going to go with the proven track record versus a guy who, who may be susceptible to a, a sophomore slump because these things happen. And we've got more of a track record with Gomes. And let's be honest, uh, you know, part of the allure of somebody like Real Muto is the fact that he has a little bit of a power and speed, because when you're really looking at it, he was only about 40 points better in OPS, Real Muto was, than Gomes at 696. So it's not like he was absolutely tearing the cover off the ball, but 10 homers, 8 stolen bases in 126 games, that really gets folks interested. 7 triples as well, so probably hitting some of those gaps uh, in Marlins Park and really running. So I think I'm with you on that one. I, I do like Gomes. I'm betting on a rebound, and the price is so cheap. I, I want to say he was probably a top five catcher last year due to the excitement built off of his 2014 season. I wish so. we had a way to go back. I wish there was a way to go back and say, hey, what were, where were these guys last year? Uh, so we could look at it because Gomes was definitely up there last year. And now we look at it, you're like, wow, he is not even in the top 10 for catchers. And I think and, sometimes you – know, we, we forget like he says, cheap. Yeah, I mean, he's going. He's going uh, twenty picks behind Devin Messeraco, who we have no idea what you know what to expect there. And you know, not the catchers. We only have one catcher in the top. Well, ba- barely two. Salvador Perez squeezes right in at one hundred point four six. So we have two catchers in the top one hundred. Technically three because they don't list Schwarber on there. They put him in the outfield ah, for some reason, okay. and he is catcher eligible. But to your point, it's pretty thin up there, and. Funny you should mention it. it's not available online, and I'll send it to you later. But I do have the 2015 ADP for NFBC. So same league, average draft positions, Jan Gomes was going number four overall as pick 95. So he was in the top 100, and now he's fallen all the way out to 176 overall. Good value. Yes, things have changed in a year. It's not like uh, everything is 100% the same, but it's only been one year, and I don't think enough has changed to, to move him out that far. Let's jump over to first base. Uh, and again, I jumped down a couple tiers here because obviously when you're talking Edwin Encarnacion versus Chris Davis, it's like, okay, it's kind of a preference thing. They're both studs. So I want to kind of get into the area where maybe it's uh, your corner infielder, really. And it's Carlos Santana at, at pick 187 as the 16th first baseman overall versus newcomer Biongho Park, one, pick 188 right behind Santana, obviously also the 17th first baseman. So again, you got established versus brand new. Santana's a guy that you and I have loved in the past obviously it was a lot better when he was catcher eligible but uh, he still has that ability to to draw a walk the batting average isn't great he's much better in OBP leagues but the power has been there somewhat consistently the 27 home runs in 2014 for Santana were something that I thought could stick around but he bounced back to 19 last year although he kind of offset that by adding a, a career high 11 stolen bases yeah, where do those come from I don't know it's, it's interesting I think the fact of it is is that we underestimate the uh, the overall speed of a lot of guys because we judge it relative to the true speedsters of the game but but a lot of baseball players are obviously super athletic and even the ones who look a little bit more 
portly or, or we don't consider fast are still like a lot faster than us and, and, and normal people. And so maybe that's part of it with, with Santana was able to get 11 for thir- for 14 as well. So not even a bad rate. If that's anything legitimate at all, and I doubt it is, that'd be great. I do think Santana can get back up over 20 homers, though. So who's your pick between Carlos Santana and the newcomer, Byung-Ho Park? Yeah, if we go back to what I said for catcher, you have to have a track record and look at Santana. But when you look at the Park's, his range, somebody's taken him at 99 overall. Maybe his agent. Maybe his agent plays in NFBC. I'm not sure. <laughs> Uh, but then 344. So people are all over the place on this guy. And if we think back to the the arguments you and I made last year as we talked about Javier Baez, you, know, with, you looked at the 43% strikeout rate and limited sample size uh, when he was up in 2014. Even if he improves that by 25%, you know, we're still looking at one of the worst strikeout, league, uh, strikeout rates in the league. Well, with Park, I mean, he struck out a ton in the Korean League. Now, what is he going to do against Major League Pitching? Now, he's got... You know, he could be just, and I think this is exactly what I wrote up in his player profile for for ESPN. I believe I said he's just as likely to hit 30 home runs in the major leagues as he is to spend the season bouncing back and forth between Minneapolis and Rochester. That's fair. I, now, is- I don't know what to I mean. That the power is legit. He can he can hit it. The swing, the uppercut, all that's good. So really, maybe it depends on need. One of the things with Santana that you have to look at is, you know, I don't know if the batting average is ever getting back over the 250 mark. This is a guy that's a heavy pull hitter that teams shift and he doesn't hit the ball the other way. I mean, he's a switch hitter, but he just doesn't hit the He doesn't use all parts of the field. So if they're going to keep shifting him like this and the batting average is going to be the same, you look at people may look at, oh, you know, his batting average of balls in play has been around 250, 260 last couple of years. It was 300 that one year. So maybe it can regress. Well, maybe he's creating his own problems, too, because he's pulling 50 to 60 percent of his batted balls to the pull side. And that's just not going to cut it in this day and age. And to your point about Babbitt, particularly with hitters, they kind of create their own. You know, they don't they don't meander back to that 300 the way pitchers do. And so at career 271 for Santana, last year's 261 isn't too far off of that mark. So I don't think you can really bake in too much batting average upside. Again, OBP is a much better league for him. Um, I hear you on park in terms of the the risk. Could be a little bit of a Kenny Vargas situation. Remember him last year? Uh, got a lot of buzz late. Everyone started to think, okay, he can hit 25 home runs pretty easily. And he ended up being that guy that you're talking about, kind of blazing that trail as the 26th man between AAA and the majors. So um, I'm not sure if I got uh, – who are you picking between those two then? I want Santana just okay. because you know, I, I feel safer. I can't I can't say that I'm going to go against the lack of track record for Rio Muto and then say I'm going to go ahead and, and stay with it with Park. I mean, one of the things to keep in mind, if we look at uh, uh, Gong last year when he came over from Korea, at least you know, with him, he, he hit well at the major league level. He was impressed. People didn't know really what to expect, but he didn't have near the strikeout issue in the, in the Korean league that Park has. And I mean, he Park had, was striking out 170 times last year in the 150, 160, 170 last few years. And then Gung has struck out the most he struck out in any one season's 109. And, and the and the beauty with, with Gung uh, in, in comparison to Park was that position eligibility, being a middle infielder slash third base, made it a lot easier to kind of take the gamble on him. Whereas Park, you know, you're not putting him at your first base, but you're still putting him at corner infield, which is a, a big position to invest in. So I totally get you on that one. Let's jump over to second base. This one, we got two veterans, one much older than the other, though. So it's still kind of a young versus old. It's Starling Castro, 196. Uh, overall pick 
14th second baseman versus Ben Zobris, the 200th pick, 15th uh, second baseman. So interesting. They both have new teams. In fact, Zobris is kind of replacing Castro. Who's your pick between these two guys? Uh, Zobrist, because he's going to score a ton of runs in that lineup. When it you look, he's going to set crazy. the table. He's going to set the table. And while, you know, we've, we've talked about the stolen bases are likely gone from him because he's just had too much time at middle infield uh, and, and playing 190 games a season all over the place. But he's going to hit in the top of that lineup. He knows how to get on base and the thunder behind him is going to bring him around because he's still he's still a good base runner. Uh, and that, you know, secondary leads, things they don't fully that aren't fully measured. But, you know, that's where it's going to be. He's going to hit the top of the lineup, and unless Castro pulls a complete, you know, a 180, he's going to hit towards the bottom of the lineup. And I think that's really the differentiator. There's more upside with Castro, but Zobris just feels so much safer. That's a fair point, and uh, I, I, I accept that. I'm I'm going with Castro because I want that upside, but team construction would play a role too. If I've already got maybe some upside risk in my earlier picks and we're getting toward that pick 200 and maybe I just need that stabilizing force or need the runs because you don't want to underestimate runs. That's the most overlooked category in the game. I think that's where Zobich is really going to make hay. Honestly, you know, it's not the projection. It's not the likely scenario, but it wouldn't really surprise anybody if he had a huge year and scored like 110 runs. Like that's the kind of thing that we're talking about here. If everything clicks for the, for the Cubs. I mean, not, not that I, not that I have won any NFBC leagues, but I would, my personal feeling is that you mitigate risk in the top 100, 125 picks. And then you go for the long plays after that. Yeah, absolutely. You have to have a mix too. That, that's the thing. You can't go all Santana's and Gomes's and, and Zobrist's. you got to kind of mix it. It's just depending where you want to make that that jump and, and kind of start doing the gambles. I'll take a couple early, but I'm not going to load up on, on just every young guy. This is another interesting one. This is kind of that conundrum that you're talking about, though. Do you go with the risk or do you go with kind of the, the safety? Adrian Beltre, 99th pick overall, 9th third baseman versus Michael Franco, 106 and 10th third baseman. Again, old versus new, established versus rookie or, or second year. Big decision here. Who are you picking at third base? Yeah, that's really tough. I mean, we, we talked back when we did the third base preview, we talked about Beltre where everything's in decline. You know, five straight years of indicators heading in the wrong direction. Um, and at his age, it's tough to get that bounce back. Um, you know, with Franco, high contact hitter, I mentioned back then, you know, where I was with it. Here, I'm willing to go upside because we know that something can go up, whereas Beltre, it can't. It's just how much, how much, you know, how easy is he going to continue sliding? Is is he at the, the precipice and he's ready to fall off at, at his age of 37? Or is it going to be an easy slide like it was for, like, say, Chipper Jones? Sure. Uh, in this case, when, when you talk about two guys this close together in the range, I mean, look at their look at their their spread. Highest 68, low of 139. Highest 72, low of 142. So they're essentially the same guy right now. Given that they're the same, people are treating him as the same guy, uh, but the ADP range uh, is in Beltran favor by seven I, i'll take franco's upside here yeah, i think that's uh that's the way to go you know beltray i don't want to bury him i don't want to just say nope he's done can't come back because he had a great second half too you know he did bounce back from the thumb and looked a lot more like himself but we're really getting into that age and i mention this all the time and i'll mention it again once you kind of get past that 35 marker age wise there's no guarantees that you're going to get a soft decline or you're, or you're going to get kind of forewarning when it starts to go, it can just go. Even and, with the great, even with the great year 
that he had. His numbers overall were still in decline from the previous year. I mean, okay. he had a phenomenal second half. If it wasn't for that, I mean, look how bad things may have looked. Oh, it's, it would have been scary. It would have been scary yeah, it, for sure. Right. Because he looked, I mean, look, I know the thumb was an issue, but he looked terrible in the first half. And then he just kind of bounced back. Uh, you could at least say, okay, it was injury. And then, okay, then he then he caught up. But again, with the, again, with the age and everything, it's just really tough to look at it. Whereas Franco, um, upside there. Kind of a random side note, uh, tangentially related here because of Beltre and, and his team. But I was writing the uh, starting pitcher guide profiles for the Rangers yesterday, and oh my God, their rotation kind of blows after Cole Hamels. Uh, you know, you <laughs> Darvish when he comes back, okay. I'm skeptical still about how many innings they're going to get from him. Even if you count him, let's just say that's one and a half, whatever. Then you're talking Derek Holland, Martin Perez, someone I. I still have a little bit of love for, but understand that he, you know, he's got major flaws, doesn't stay healthy, doesn't miss bats. I, I get it with him, so I'm not even going to prop him up as as viable. Uh, Chichi Gonzalez, Nick Martinez, Colby Lewis. I mean, crap. How are they going to hang all year? I don't know. They got that's why they're building that great bullpen, though. I think that's part of it. So they need Beltre. They can't really afford to have any breakdowns on the hitting side given the starting pitching that they're going with. Anyway, let's jump over to shortstop. Uh, Again, I went up kind of toward the upper tier here because it is a big debate, and I am really curious how you feel about these two. I'm going to go with Xander Bogarts, 60th. We've talked about him before. Fourth shortstop versus Francisco Lindor, 64th pick and the fifth shortstop. Two youngsters, one a little bit more established than the other, but the other, Lindor, you know, showed some crazy power and just some a complete game last year in 99 games worth of worth of play. Who's your pick between these two? Oh, um, that one's so tough. Uh, because I mean, I'd I like the skill set in both. You know, maybe I'm leaning towards Lindor just because of the overall skill set, but it, it, it's you know six six out of ten times. Can I make it tougher? Him? Can I make it Go tougher ahead. and add Corey Seager, who's only picked 57 and number three? So he's just ahead of them. These three are I'll all take either, really I'll take close either together. over Corey Seager. I'll take either over Corey Seager. Okay, so you got Seager third in that group. Yes, but he's going third. He's going third from the shortstop position. Yeah, he's going I mean, first you, among that trio, though. Correct. Yeah. So that's what. I, yeah, that's what my point was. But yeah, that's crazy uh, for me. I, I know. You know, again, he did really good in that small window, and it's really. But Jock Peterson was there. Not that I'm saying a Seager is going to strike out at any any near the rate um, where he's at. But you know, Bogarts really liked what he showed after the after the dead cat bounce that he had from 14 when we picked him high. And he sucked, and then he did really well last year. Uh, more more of a track record there. That's where I want to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm Bogarts, too. Uh, listen, I, I think that there could be a lot of disappointment this year with Lindor because that power kind of came out of nowhere. And I understand that, you know, he's a big-time prospect, and so we want to we wanna kind of love everything that he did. But I feel like if he wasn't a big-name prospect, we'd be questioning the hell out of the power. I don't know why we're not just because he is a big-name prospect because none of his prospect status was built on the ability – uh, to hit for power. Correct. So Correct. I don't think that the the prestige of being a a quality bat uh, and and a great glove that earned him his prospect status should earn him a pass not to be questioned when he hits for power that we've never. Just seen go this way. Go this way. Who's going to hit for the higher average? Um, I will say. Well, I think Bogarts' power is really going to explode, so I can see him kind of coming down to like 280. So I'll give that to Lindor. 
Really? I, see, I'm still going to go the other way. I think Bogarts hits for the higher average, has more power, drives in more runs, uh, and maybe it's a wash scoring runs. So he's yeah. winning three and a half of the five categories. Yeah, I'll and give, Lindor is not going to blow Lindor. him away. Lindor's not going to blow him away in the stolen base category, so it doesn't make up the difference, and that's why I go Bogarts. Yeah, I'm with you on, on Bogarts for sure. I think the power is there. I think too many people are thinking that what he did last year is just who he is as opposed to kind of more of a season where I think he was kind of refining his hit tool and realizing, listen, I can hit on the ground and go the other way. I can do these different things. I don't want to strike out. I just want to be a guy, makes a lot of contact, and kind of learn how to do that for a whole year. Doesn't mean his power is gone. I think if you if you think that way about Bogarts, you're going to be disappointed uh, when you don't end up with him and he explodes this year. So I'm with you on that one for sure. Got two two matches in the outfield here. Uh, first one, high end, Starling Marte, 24th pick overall, seventh outfielder, versus George Springer, 25th pick overall, eighth outfielder. So again, two guys right by each other. It's a total toss up. But who are you looking at? Yeah, and I like the improvements that Springer made last year, but I want to go Marte here. When you look at the power speed, he's a five-category producer, and he's got less risk just because he makes more contact um, there. I was thrilled to death to get Marte in my local. I'm, I'm in a new NL local league and had a dispersal draft, and I was able to land Marte with the second pick of that draft and uh, was extremely happy with that pick, and we just look at everything he can bring to the table, and Springer's the same. He was on pace for a really nice year before his injury. But when you the difference maker for me is the amount of contact that Marte makes for Springer. All right, I don't I don't know I don't know exactly how I feel on this one yet. I'm 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 just gonna take a pass right now. I don't have to answer it. I'm the host. You're the analyst. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna use my my privilege here to cop out because I'm really close on these two. I like both of them. I see the amazing upside. I get why they're this high. Oh, it's really tough. Can Springer stay healthy, though? You know, he needs to figure out. you got to stay on the field. Conversely, though, Marte, part of his game is built on hit-by-pitches. That's That kind of is what builds his OBP. And the wrong hit-by-pitch can put him on the shelf. So that worries me a little bit. So, again, going to cop out and move on to the next one. I'm not going to make a pick on those two yet. If you really want to know who I've got, go look at my rankings because I don't remember. Oh, by the exactly. way, before we move on, somebody took Kyle Schwarber with the 11th overall pick. That's his high. Oh, my God. I see it right now. Wow. Okay. Listen, detour. <laughs> we got to talk about Schwarber. Listen, wow. <laughs> what are you doing out there? Like, I don't get it. I'm, I understand that he's catcher, but I just don't see how it's terribly different from Evan Gaddis. I understand that, that he walks more than Gaddis, but Gaddis got built up so much last year. And yeah, he was the the second catcher in terms of like value or player rater. But he was nowhere near where he was being picked, which was like I think a top 75 pick, and he just wasn't he wasn't up there at that level. And I just, boy, I, I think people are really overrating what Schwarber can do because not only that, I mean, listen, I saw the power; it was incredible for Schwarber. But he also hit 246. Are we just ignoring that? Like that doesn't matter or anything? I don't understand it with Schwarber. I know that the catcher eligibility is what's driving it, but where where do you have him right now? Because obviously you'd never take him 11th overall, but the 30th pick overall I think is insane too. How how high are you taking him? Yeah, the 30th pick is insane, and I'm kind of chuckling. The, you know, the fans and Steamer have him each have him hitting 261, so that's cool. But fans also have him hitting 30 bombs and and scoring 86 runs. 
it, even you know, with 60 more plate appearances than Steamer has him getting. And oh, by the way, driving in 99 as well. I mean, these are almost these are almost like Bill James is running the, the fans projection That's for people that don't get that joke back in the day. You know, we have fan graphs used to have the Bill James projections up there, but they, they used to be so laughably inflated that they had to go. And that was just my personal opinion. But they always were like, you look at one side and say, OK, let's use zips to counterbalance what James had. And, and it was just funny to see some of the projections. I'm trying to remember one year he had somebody Dom for Brown. 35. Yeah, maybe it was the Don Brown. Was there was a stupid. Dom like, Brown one that, that sticks out to me and that I always remember. And again, it wasn't just a one off every year it was like a, a a 50 off there were like 50 of them that were what where's this coming from because you know listen when, when you're talking bill james this is the guy who's who's the godfather of the of the the statistical movement and stuff you would think that his projections would kind of be based in the statistics and and when you're basing it on the statistics you can't really get too many of the outlandish projections that's why projection systems by their nature are conservative i understand maybe some manual alterations for guys you think are going to break out but there were just some banana numbers every year and i bet uh, you know the bill james handbook this year probably has schwarber down for 62 home runs if i had to guess yeah so when you look at schwarber right now he's, he's 30th off the board, 30th. He's going ahead of Joey Votto. No. LOL. Never happening. He's going ahead of Charlie Blackman. LOL. Yeah. He's going ahead of J.D. Martinez. Bigger LOL. He's going ahead of Ryan Braun. Even with the back, that's LOL. He's going ahead of Todd Frazier. No, dude. No. These are these are all names in the top 50 that, that are going after him. I can't do it. I cannot I can't do it. And I just don't see the case. It's funny though. It's every year. There's just a handful of, of these young guys that we, we being the base fantasy baseball community, never learn a, as a group. They just never learn. Speaking of never learning, Troy Tulowitzki still in the top fifty. I can't do that. I, I, I don't want to get rid of him entirely, but the price has to come down a little bit more for me to feel comfortable with Tulowitzki, particularly if I can just bypass it and get get our boy Bogarts uh, around later. You know, yeah, I know, I know, shortstops a barren wasteland for the most part this year, but but I'll get how many on times that have, over how here. many times do we have to do this exactly? Uh, and how many times? No, I, just, I can't do it. I'm I'm totally with you on that one. Let's get back on track talking about these these battles. We've only got one more, uh, and then we're gonna kind of mix it up for a few more minutes. A little bit of shorter episode on Sunday, little Valentine's Day quick hitter. Um, Last you said battle. Valentine's Day quickie. What? I did. And I called you my Valentine at the beginning. I'm getting really weird on this one. No big deal. Phrasing. Billy Burns, pick 143, 39th outfielder, versus Kevin Pillar, 156, 40th outfielder off the board. Which do you like? I, now, I don't like Kevin Pillar as a third round pick, but I like Kevin Pillar a little bit later. So between these two, though, Billy Burns leading off for Oakland, Kevin Pillar probably batting lower in the order, but in that beast of a Toronto lineup. I mean, the thing is, Pilar's more well-rounded. I mean, Billy Burns is a one-trick, well, two-trick pony. I mean, he is all speed, but if he doesn't get on bases, value just falls apart. At least Pilar showed some offense and has the ability to do more than just slap at the ball, and that's really what Billy Burns' game is. I don't even recall if Billy Burns had a minor league home run. I think it was a case where he finally hit one in the major leagues. He ended up hitting a a really impressive for him five in the majors – after two 
in his minor league career over 1800 plate appearances. I think one of those was in the, I think one of those was an inside the park job too. I think too. you're right. Because I remember there was a big story for a while like, "Oh my god, he finally went yard." Yep. Uh, and it wasn't really yeah. yard. Yes. And for, you know, so for me it's like I, I really dislike being associated with these types of players that are the if he doesn't get on base. I mean, when you look at last year it's not he's not drawing walks either. I mean, he got on base because he was slapping the ball and and finding grass. That's how he gets on base. He no doesn't draw walks. He's never really drawn walks, but because he's got so much foot speed, you look, you know, throughout the minor leagues, you know, he yes, he had big stolen base totals. He had seasons where his on-base percentage was strong. He was walking down then, but as we've gotten to the upper levels of the minors, you know, they said, well, yeah, I'm not going to walk. Why am I going to pitch around this guy? Let me go ahead and just start. I mean, he had two, he had 20 walks when he got to double A and 138, you know, 53 in 2014 across 542 at bats, 26 last year. Wow. So it's, it's to the point where, go ahead, I'm going to throw it in the strike zone, see if I can knock the bat out of your hand. But this is all relying upon him fight, getting on base and finding grass with his batted balls. Because By the that, way. That's a bad shot. By the way, we could cut what you just said there and and put it at the beginning of a Cattell Marte um, section, and it would work as well. Because I know I'm <laughs> going on another tangent, and he's back at shortstop, Cattell Marte is, but I think that that's the same kind of theory. Talking about a guy who had a 10% walk rate last year, but has no power. Why? You know, how is he going to maintain that kind of walk rate again this year for the great OBP and generate that speed? I just don't see it. I think he's another guy who's being wildly overrated right now, and I just don't get it. These slappy guys, a lot of times, they can't maintain a big walk rate because there's no reason to really be afraid of them. They've got to use that contact. They're going to see too many pitches in the zone because they, you can't. You just can't get hurt that much by by singles. Yeah, you don't want to put anybody on. You don't want to give them a chance to get on base necessarily, but it's better than giving them the, the free pass where they're going to almost turn it into a double guaranteed because of their speed. So I think Marte right. and Burns um, are going to experience that this year where they better be ready to swing and swing often because I just don't see how they're going to take a ton of walk. And here's the thing with Burns. He's going to play. I mean, will you look even with the addition of Chris Davis – the the uh, Oakland outfield still is not rock solid. I mean, that basically fills the hole that Coco Crisp creates two seconds after he steps on the field when he gets hurt again. So that's what Chris Davis fills. Billy Burns has got center field. He should hit high in the lineup. He's going to have Davis behind him. You know, that works out well. And when you look at the rest of that lineup, they need to manufacture runs. I mean, it's Davis for a bunch of pop and everything else is kind of, eh. I like so, still. But but he I'm has kinda, health issues himself. Yeah, kind of over him. But yeah, you know, when you look at trying to manufacture runs, they need him on base so he can start scooting around the base pass. But again, with the, the bat can be knocked out of his hand. We've seen these types of players come up before, and uh, pitchers are going to make him do it this year. And we'll see what happens. Still, I still think he's good for twenty-five plus stolen yep, bases. Yep, 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 yep. But batting average, I think, is going to take a tumble. I don't want it to be a a we hate Billy Burns situation more so than um, it's actually we like Kevin Pillar a little bit. So, uh, especially in that comparison, because I, you know, I reminds really, me, you know, who reminds me though of uh, uh, of Billy Burns this year, who's probably going to get the play, is going to get a shot as Boog Powell with Seattle. See, now that could end up being really interesting because he's a name that's not really on the radar. And you're right, you know, because um, I believe that they've got center field issues in particular, right? Isn't he out of your your favorite team's organization? He was the Nate, he was in a Nate Carnes deal. That's right. That's right. 
so what, yeah, tell us a little bit about Boog Powell, guy, 20, 22 years old last year, so going into his age 23 season, had a split season in the high minors, double and triple A, did pretty well at both, you know, little had the little downturn at, at triple A that you expect after a big double A run. But, you know, again, still held his own 360 on base in AAA, which was pretty nice. Speed's been there. Doesn't overwhelm with any of his skills. But, again, looks like one of those guys who can slap the ball around and run a bit. Uh, needs to be a little bit smarter with his running, though. 18 stolen bases, 14 caught stealing last year for Boog Powell. Yeah, and he doesn't – and he really hasn't played me think of. He's only been in major leagues – uh, not major leagues, the professional baseball for four years. And he's still he's still 23, so he's young. But when you look at – if you looked at some of the comments that uh, Seattle made after acquiring him, it seems like they're like, yeah, this is the guy we really wanted in this. And you know, let's see what we can get out of him. So I, I think it's something worth keeping an eye on uh, to see, especially in a deep AL league. Absolutely. It's somebody that you can uh, – to look at because the skills he's shown a lot of skills there hitting for average speed you know you'll have a link I've, I've given you a link for uh, something that we put up at the process oh, report yeah, that up. when we traded uh, when we traded them we're like hey uh you know jason hanselman my po- my uh colleague there wrote it up and said hey this is what boog pal is and we had a whole bunch of traffic from the uh, seattle mariners website so and then somebody here's my favorite part today somebody searched found the found the process report blog with the google search term Boog Powell, the next Brett Gardner. I was going to say, <laughs> I just scanned it, and the name that jumped out to me, I, I was going to say, I figured out why Colette likes this guy. Because your colleague, uh, Jason Hanselman, makes some Brett Gardner comparisons here. Now, that would obviously send you over the moon. And as much as I've loved Leonis Martin in the past, he's disappointed me last year. He's going to be 28. He does not have a firm lock on that center field job, and that could really open some time for Powell. So it's an AL-only play right now that we're bringing to you when we're talking about Boog Powell for Seattle. But keep it in mind. Keep an eye on him in spring training. Things can change rapidly, and again, and I, this could also be another. This could be he could be the next Brett Gardner. He could be the next Sam Fold. You know, same kind of same kind of thing with knocking the bat out of the yep, hand. Yep, yep. He's somebody, honestly, somebody to watch in spring training. He's really good at you know defensively. He flies all over the place. A lot of glowing reports about what he did in Durham uh, when he got called up last year. Uh, so, and the funny thing was, Billy Burns came, uh, not Billy Burns, uh, Boog Powell came out of the A's organization. That's true. So he they, did. they they traded him to the Rays, and then they bring they bring him back in the form of Billy Burns, who came out of the Nationals organization organization uh so with so it's a that's a guy to keep an eye on in spring see what they're see how much playing time they're giving him um i, I bring it up because i remember a couple of years ago like two years ago uh, steve moyer and al tout first guy he threw out he had i think he had the second call out of the, of the draft because he was sitting next to larry Schechter, and he said billy burns one dollar and everybody's like who's that what? and he threw him out so this year my prediction he's gonna throw out boog powell, powell for one dollar by the way no relation to the other boog powell Correct. None. Uh, just a nickname relation. Yep. Just just confusing nicknames. Herschel Mack Powell. Interesting name for sure. By the way, could even make the club on the bench. It's not set. You know, Roster Resource currently has somebody named Sean O'Malley, who I'm not really all that familiar with. So, you know, Powell could make it, although it looks like O'Malley kind of is the utility infielder, and that's why he might make it. But, you know, Franklin Gutierrez is a ever uh, a health concern. Nori Aoki is 34 years old, not young. And then, like I already mentioned, Leonis Martin. So there could be some daylight out there for Powell. Jason, we only going to talk for a few more minutes. Guess what we got coming up on Tuesday, bud? 
Labor! Got our labor draft. And I figure we'll just talk a little bit. We're not going to give away all the uh, the state secrets here, but talk a little bit about what we did last year, maybe what we're going to try to work on here for a few minutes. Just want to go over our first few picks from last year. I don't know if you remember them. I'm sure you do, but I, I doubt them out, but some of the listeners do. Yeah, they didn't work. Although they should, honestly, listen, the, the, this is another perfect case of don't overrate your first and second round picks because ours could not have been any better and we did not have a lot of success. So you want good first and second round picks, but nailing them doesn't guarantee success and flop, you know, having a couple flops on them doesn't mean that you're doomed either. We picked Clayton Kershaw and Josh Donaldson. Those are pretty. Oh good yeah, picks. those were good picks. Those were pretty good picks. Even our third pick, he didn't play all year, but George Springer, pretty good. You know, we we did all right. Adrian Gonzalez as our fourth pick, perfectly fine. The rest of our picks, I don't remember any of them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Actually, they're, they're they're terrible. Starlin Castro, ouch. Fifth Oops. pick. Brett Gardner, fine actually. Even with the bad second half, I don't think we're, that we're coming out and saying that that was the the. The, the god awful sixth round pick. I don't think that that really, uh, you know, caused issues. He went 16 homers, 20 stolen bases. He did what he did the year before. We're perfectly fine with that at, at pick 88. But then pick 93, our backup to Kershaw, Alex Oops. Cobb, didn't pitch. This was before, yeah, keep in mind, folks, this was before anything happened. Yeah, super early draft. That's the thing. We're going to be drafting again super early this year. And so some of the picks can look really silly by the time we flash forward a year, but you got to keep in mind when, when it's happening. Then we thought, you know what? Let's just get a stable closer. Um, let's get Cody Allen or Mark Melanson. Those were our two guys. Oh, Boom. Gotta gone, gone. Part. So I guess we'll just take Steve Sushet. I remember that part of the draft. That sucked. We thought they went right. I think they went right in front of us. Yep. Really bad oh. news there. And that kind of, you know, again, bounced right back, though, with Russell Martin in the ninth. Okay, okay. You know, that 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 was fine. He did not repeat that 402 on base. We didn't expect him to. He did what he had to do in Toronto. And boom, we have a catcher one. We're feeling good. Let's get another good pitcher and, and just really have three quality pitchers, uh, two quality guys behind Kershaw and take Drew Smiley. Oh, no, Drew Smiley. Oh, God. And, and that we debated over that. I mean, it's the guy that you liked. You know, that's the thing that irritates me. It wasn't like, oh, it's a raised guy. Let's go ahead and take him. It was just like, no, why we, is Drew Smiley still sitting out there? Yeah, and I, I thought it was going to be a good pick. You know, I, obviously that one looks easy, like like we're biased because it's, our, it's a guy who's been on – both of our teams started with the Tigers and then moves over to the uh, and we need the a starting pitcher at that point because we I mean we had taken we had taken the two guys but we had let pitching go for quite a number of rounds for for, for obvious reason because we had Kershaw and we thought we had some buffer honestly I thought Cobb was going to be excellent last year and we were going to have a dynamic one two punch then you then you move over to the next ten I'm not I'm not going to go through every pick just a couple more and honestly this is probably where we lost it, it, and and it is these. That like 11 through 15 rounds where you need at least one major hit and you can't have too many busts. And I think we might actually have five busts here. Melky Cabrera, Ken Giles, Steven Souza, Eric Ibar, and Brett Cecil. And we needed one of Giles or Cecil to be the closer. All five of them sucked. Um, you know, Cabrera got it going in the second half too little, too effing late. Souza was a nightmare. Garbage. And Ibar was his steady, solid self, but we can't t- – at that point, 
because of the, what the other four did, him just being who he is, Ibar, ugh, it, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And, and it doesn't get much better after that. The back end of our draft was flat out bad. And we need to be better this year because we have to win this league. We just we have to. We we got to win it. We got to have a great showing, and we got to win this league. And it's that middle of the draft. So, let's talk about the beginning of our draft. We pick ninth, and uh, you know we don't have to commit to anything. Obviously, we probably have some of the league mates listening. But just uh, what are you thinking with the ninth pick? You think we're going to get something juicy to fall to us, or are we going to be looking at that that cluster of guys that's all the same? If we're looking at the NFBC ADPs right now, Giancarlo Stanton is ninth. What do you think about that? Uh, Risky. Yeah, but, you know, God, I'd rather if, – if Bryant somehow made it, I'd rather go that route. You would take Chris Bryant over Giancarlo Stanton. Health. Uh, you're no longer my Valentine. That's crazy. I know. I know it's terrible, but I mean, right. when you look at somebody, in the obviously top we're eight. not, obviously I tell you this, we're not taking a pitcher. I know no. people, I think two years, did we take Kershaw two years ago or something? I know we've taken Kershaw with the fifth pick or different things, but we, we won't be taking a, last year. It was I the third. We pick. did. I think we did. Well, I mean, well, we finished the third the year before last year was a nightmare, but the year before that it was third place. So we just need a better middle of the draft, to be honest. But yeah, at nine, we're not taking a starter unless Kershaw magically fell. That would never happen. Yeah, but if he did, they're right there, folks. If you leave him out there until the ninth pick, we're taking him. Oh, we will. Absolutely. Of course we will. That that would be insane not to. It would be insane for him to get to us, to be quite honest. But uh, we, we've, we've thrown around some things. That that nine pick, it, it's not the end of the world. The the problem is, you know, everyone's like, I gotta get a top four pick because that's, you know, the decisions are kind of made for you. Well, I'm fine making a decision. It's not, I'm not, I don't have to have my decisions made for me. So that ninth pick, it is gonna be a big decision. One of the big th- third basemen could fall down. Donaldson, Arenado, Machado. Like I said, Stanton is the one who's there by ADP. Bryant goes right after him. You still got Rizzo. You got uh, Altuve. Miguel Cabrera is somebody that, you know, I'm not averse to. He's all the way down at 16 with the ADP. Where do you stand on some of the newcomers into the first round? Like your, uh, well, actually a lot of them are newcomers, but I'm talking newcomers to even success. Like Donaldson's a new first rounder, but he's not new to being great. But excellence is a bit new to like Nolan Arenado, Chris Bryant, uh, AJ Pollock, where do you stand on those guys right now? And are any of them first round considerations for us at that pick nine, as far as you're concerned? So yeah, labor's a 15 team. I had to think about this for a second. So when I look at the 15th, the only ones that really give me pause at using the current ADP for first rounders are Scherzer. Okay. And Scherzer. I mean, <laughs> I really don't have a problem with anybody else. I mean, Pollock, you look at the numbers, the production's there. Altuve, production's there. Rizzo's production's there. You know, Stanton, health, maybe. It, it really, when I look more at the second round, because, you know, Cabrera's been knocked down there. D. Gordon, I, I honestly don't know what to do there. Uh, you know, that's an issue. Which Chris Davis do you get this year? We talked about Springer uh, and the health. That's a little tough for me. And Schwarber going into the second round oh. and, and Fernandez even uh, is just is nutsville for me. I agree. I love Fernandez, but I didn't realize he was up that high. Jose Fernandez not going to be on the sleeper in the bust crew. Can't. I mean, if he, if he maintains that average draft position, which is the 29th pick overall. Correct. So, you know, that's where I, I, I'm not, I have more pause about the second round than I do, but thankfully 
because we're picked ninth, that means we're also picking, what, uh, 21st? Yes. And guess who's there right now? My boy. And I was going to say, that's got got to have you really excited if he lasted. Edwin Encarnacion, again, it's not going to go 100% by ADP. But at the same to- by the same token, somebody you know at pick fourteen could be down at twenty one when we pick. But Encarnacion, yeah, I don't feel yeah because we're picking in the first half of the second round. I think a lot of the garbage in between, and not garbage, but a lot of the unsettling things will kind of get done in front of us before we pick again on the uh, the thirty fifth pick. Am I doing the math right? Oh God, I, yeah, I'm the wrong person oh. to ask. I hate that. It's like nine. Okay, nine and twenty one. So I did the math there. That's the twelve. Pick whatever, but I think you know by that by that point that that next wave of pitching should be gone. The the Granky, the Cole, the Harvey, the Price, the Degrom, you know that round of pitching may be gone. So the only thing we look at is okay, we're picking in the back half of round three. Perhaps that first wave of starting pitching goes. Do we tag on it and we say screw it and we just take another hitter and then grab a hit grab a pitcher in the fourth round? Yeah, yeah, uh, you know. I would say that we had maybe some false bravado in the past. Like, oh, we have, we're confident in our pitching. We know we're fine Us? taking guys. False bravado? Us? Never. Confident? Uh, no. Eric? Right. Me? Right. So, <laughs> so to that point, maybe I don't think we can, we can delay. And I think one of the things that honestly caught us by surprise last year was how early closers win. Because it goes against everything that you and I stand for. We're like, oh, God, that's how we ended up with C-Shack last year. Because we're like, ah, screw it. We'll wait another round. And they screw just it, wait another round. And they, they all just kept dis- going. Then they were like, Pfft. so I think one of the things I have no problem saying this because it's very obvious. We're not going to go between a, a high pick, the high pick round and the low pick round without taking it. We're not going to wait. We're not going to make that mistake. So if we take a hitter on the low pick side, we're going to be taking a closer on the high pick side because we're not going to go low pick to low. Yeah, even though there are a ton of great closers this year, you don't want to get left without one. It's almost like the the starting pitching uh, aces again. You know, we're talking about how there are upwards of 18 guys that can realistically front a fantasy rotation. And yeah, maybe you can wait a little bit more, but you you don't want to be without one of them. Same kind of goes for closer. There are probably 10, almost 10 studs, depending on how you rank them, maybe only eight. Uh, depending on what you feel is a, a stud closer, but you you really want to get one of those guys that's not only getting good save totals, but has the great ratios and the killer strikeouts because that also helps the back end of your rotation. You can take a little bit uh, bigger gamble or take somebody with like an 18, 20% strikeout rate as one of your pitchers, your right. starting pitchers, if you've got that stud closer. So we don't want to get uh, shut out there as well. Like I said, we can't give away all the secrets. Just wanted to talk a little bit about it. Obviously, we'll talk a ton next week after the draft is done. But we're going to close out with one email and then uh, and then go ahead and, uh, and peace out for the week. This one's from Shay. And uh, you know, you know, Shay. Uh, I do. Chan- tangentially or, or uh, you know, work wise, I believe he's one of yes, your Yes, this is where my real job and, my, and, my, and this fun worlds collide. Worlds, worlds collide. collide. It's weird when you go in and talk to a school district and you're riding around with this technology coordinator and he's like, yeah, I play fantasy baseball. And I'm like, well, then this has got to be a really fun car ride. Like, hey, I, I felt bad for my colleague. The colleague, uh, somebody that works for me, was in the van with me and like, 
he couldn't get a word in edgewise. All of a sudden, it was just like conversation, conversation. So yes, that's a- so I need I do need to get back to that district at some point. Um, and so uh, we'll have to do that again. But my poor colleague, he had no idea what I did on the side and had no idea what he was in for that day. He's like, oh God, what's happening? <laughs> All right, but Shay has a keeper question. We're gonna help him out with it. Our local auction draft is coming up soon. Got to pick your brain on who I should keep. 16 team, five by five. Keep as many as you want, but can't go over half your budget. So basically, I can spend 130 bucks. I have to keep Hosmer for seven and Buxton for five. They are both under a two-year deal. So he's got 118 bucks or less, obviously, remaining mm-hmm. for these guys. And uh, you could start crossing them off because it's a lot of guys, but they're all kind of pertinent. Uh, so I am going to list all of them. Stanton 34. Actually, we're going to break it up into groups. Stanton we'll 34. Go, let's go down the list. Let's go down the list. And just do yeah, yeah, no. Stanton 34. No. Votto 26. Yes. Yeah, I'll do that too. Seeger this is, by the way, this is Corey. This I, is Corey. Oh, it is Corey. Okay. I was I'm I would have certain. Almost certain it was Corey. I was actually going to that. guess that it was Kyle based on the price, but maybe the fab in season price was twenty two bucks. But either way, either Seeger would you keep at twenty two? I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't think I would too. Braun twenty two. Yeah. I think you have to because uh you know, even with the like I said, the back. Concerns. Oh, it is Corey. By the way, it is Corey. It is Corey. Okay, so that's that's really interesting. Uh, at twenty-two, I definitely can't do that. Uh, Hunter Pence, seventeen bucks. No. I'm on the fence on that one. Let's see where our budget is uh, at when we get toward the bottom here. Kipnis, fourteen. Yes. No, for me, I can't stand Kipnis. Uh, Addison Russell, fourteen. This is. <clears throat> Uh, you know, if you made me keep one of them, uh, I guess I guess I'll go with the upside with Russell, especially because yeah. it's keeper league. That, so yeah, no Kipnis yes to Russell, man. That's that's exactly where I'm at. It's not a great price. He basically, you know, he does have to perform uh, at a, at a certain decent level to earn that 14. But I'm willing to take the gamble. I'm just a huge Addison Russell backer, so I am saying yes, even understanding that it's a little bit higher than I would want, but. The, the keeper league aspect of it makes it a little bit okay. Let's jump over to Julio Tehran, 12 bucks. No. Nah, me neither. And I love Tehran, but nah. Jeff Samarjo, 11 bucks. No. I'm closer on that one, but again, we're coming up on the budget, 118 bucks total here. And we still have several guys. So I'm going to say no right now, but maybe change. Longo, 10 bucks. Yeah, at that price, and not that I'm very excited about right? him, but that but price 10. can't turn him down. Uh, Gio Gonzalez, nine bucks. No. Han- uh, I'm with you. Hanley Ramirez, nine bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I at think- the price, again, not somebody I'm terribly excited for, but the price, yes. Ditto. Ken Giles, nine bucks. Yes. Yes. By the way, that that's it. If I put shark um, as a yes for me, a tentative yes, that would be it for me if I keep shark uh, in this instance. Younger beats Solarte, twelve bucks. No, just too high. I actually like Solarte as a deep, you know, sixteen team league. He's a solid guy that you can move around, but not for twelve bucks, right? Easy, no. Correct. Brandon Belt, nine bucks. Yes. Yeah, I think my love for Brandon Belt will never die. Keep in mind, though. At that point, you're keep. Well, I guess Hanley's an outfielder. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, Eovaldi, eight bucks. No. Nah. Yachty, six bucks. No. Nah. Real Muto, five bucks. 
Yeah. That's closer. Yeah, that's uh, put him in the air. Okay. Oh, and then Peter Peter O'Brien, Alex Reyes, nope. Blake Snell, all a dollar. But we only so have Reyes. Yeah, Reyes is losing. Yeah, he only has two bench spots. Reyes is losing time though. Reyes is losing time. O'Brien, blah, might not even catch, which would be his only real appeal. And Blake Snell, I love him as a prospect, but with only two bench spots, I just don't think you can do it. Yeah, but man, do you want to be the guy that lost Blake Snell because you dropped him and then he gets called up in spring training? Mike I mean, let's Pence. not forget. Let's not forget the Rays would love to sign Blake Snell to a to a pre a pre agency deal and get that stuff locked up. And if that's the case, then everything else goes by the wayside. All the other um, typical pitfalls, and uh, he gets called up. When I just when I look at things as good as he looked last year, and if they're looking at their current window, the way they're constructing this team, you know, it, it's really tough for me to say that. Yeah, they're going to sit that. They're going to put that on the bench. They're going to put that in the minors for three months. Well, coming from you, that that definitely encourages me because I worry about their slow roasting, and I think that you know the the AL is open enough, even the AL East, to where I don't think it's unrealistic to say the Rays can scrap it together and and compete, but they would need something like a high impact Snell to really get that done. They now, need they need bullpen. That I mean the thing is, and you can't move the. They're not going to call them up to put them in the bullpen. No, no, they no need but bullpen. you move somebody else in there. Correct. And they need bullpen help. They still have a glut of right-handed outfielders, and they've got pitching to trade. You can trade uh, Drew Smiley, who's on a year-to-year deal, and he just won his arbitration, so he's up to 3.75. Not that that's pro, you know, uh, very expensive, but that's going to set his, his salary moving forward. You've got Matt Moore's getting ready to get into the bigger years of his player options. Yeah. So you can move him. You can move one of those guys. Okay. Or you say Erasmo, you're a, you're go to the pen. You're a swing guy. Who knows how his stuff plays up? Because Lord knows he can only go 18 batters a game. It's not a guy you put three times through anyhow. Um, maybe that's the route they go. But they need to get something in the bullpen. I wish they could go to Milwaukee and say, Hey, what do you want for Will Smith and or Jeremy Jeffress? Um, because what what is what does Milwaukee need with those two guys? Exactly. Well, Je- Jeffress uh, might be a little bit younger, but you know you don't need like Philly just showed it actually. Even with Ken Giles, who is young and could feasibly become like a a, a ten year closer, you just don't know. And it's closer. It's so volatile. You don't need them. You're right. So they could trade both of them. Plus, Jeffress only recently discovered some semblance of control, so it's not like he's set in stone anyway. They should be looking to move both of those guys pretty aggressively. Now, there, we did run into a little bit of an issue here, though, because I'm looking at it, and, and the problem that we have is too many first basemen, unless the 14 games that Brandon Belt played in outfield gets him qualified there. Otherwise, we got Votto, Hosmer, and Belt. But based on the guys that we kept for Shea, we ha- have 117 bucks, so we're a dollar under his, his budget, and that's with Votto, Braun, Russell, Longoria, Hanley, Ken Giles, Brandon Belt, Real Muto, Blake Snell, Eric Hosmer, and Byron Buxton. That's and, so we we have filled we have filled his utility spot with keepers. Basically, though. yeah, 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 yeah. And that and that's honestly that's okay. It's not the end of the world. We I think again speaking generally, we as a fantasy baseball community freak out a little bit too much about that uh, filling it up. It's not as good when this keeper, for, especially you know maybe you want to do it in the draft, but you're talking about who. How many other guys on a 16-team league are going to have a better utility than Brandon Bell at nine bucks? Correct. You know, 
Correct. So okay, Correct. I, I think that works, Shay. Hopefully, hopefully that works out for you. Deep dive into your into your keeps there. Also, a chance to give some opinions on on some other of those mid tier guys. Jason, that's going to do it for us and wrap up the week. We will be talking very shortly, you and I, about uh, that that labor draft on Tuesday. Might might try to figure out something special for that that could maybe. Uh, be an episode of sorts. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to ask what we could, what, you know, what we could do to. What I'm really thinking might work is like a Periscope or um, like a Google Hangout and just kind of you can be in our war room with us and we'll be we'll be talking picks or something. I don't know. I think we're going to try to. I don't want something. people sneaking in, though. You know what? I was thinking I was thinking possibly because insight's always good. I mean, I. You know, disclosure, folks, I have a 5.30 a.m. flight Wednesday morning, so I am not doing the entire labor draft. So if the back half sucks, it's Paul's fault. That's but cool. if, you know, what I was but thinking when we is win, maybe... I get all the credit. Exactly. So what I was thinking is maybe we could just put it on Skype and you and I just talk our, you know, as we react. We'll have to keep it cleaner so than we say, normally we, do. We can't make fun of everybody's picks, which is a bummer. But I, I was thinking the same thing. Although to to counter your your point about worrying about people sneaking in, wait, dude, wait, no, we get our picks clowned. I mean, how much clowning did you take last year for taking Joey Votto in fifth overall in an OBP league? Man, I was just trying to get attention. All right, was, so we we ninth. could we it's could record ninth. we could record and react. We can say, look, this is raw audio of us talking, debating this stuff back and forth, and then reacting to what we see, and just. Keep it that way. But all those Canadian slurs that we throw at Zinke, we can't say those anymore. Ah, oh, true. We should have to apologize in advance for that. Well, that, that I think that's fair. We'll put a we'll put a parental advisory uh, on the episode. Yeah. So we're gonna do something. It, it, it's going to be something. That's probably the right answer is to just kind of do the the raw feed of us discussing it, and you guys can listen to it. If I could come up with something where it is live, but on a delay, because it you know it wouldn't be a hundred percent live. Uh, to where our our opponents could sneak in, but maybe it's just a Skype. Either way, it will be something. It will be cool. That's Tuesday, the labor draft. If you have SiriusXM, you can listen along with it. I'll definitely be tweeting the hell out of it. Don't worry, I'll do a hashtag. So if you don't like that stuff, you can mute it. But uh, otherwise, Jason, have a great week. We'll talk in a couple days. Sounds good, man.